Welcome to Sword and Shield, the official podcast of the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Join us for insight, knowledge, mentorship, and some fun as we discuss relevant topics in and around our wing. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any particular person or business is ever intended. Welcome to Sword and Shield Podcast. I'm Colonel Rick Erich, 960th Cyberspace Wing Commander, and today we've got a very special guest. With us, we have 16th Air Force Commander, General Kennedy. Sir, welcome. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate it. Excited to be here. Looking forward to the podcast. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a great opportunity here for to introduce you to our wing and, and to our listeners out there. And, um, you know, we're excited to, to host you today and, and have you learn a little bit, a little bit about who we are and then obviously um, learn from you about where you're going as we support all 16th Air Force missions. So um, so those those that don't know you, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and um, how you got to this point? Sure, Rick, happy to do that. So um, I joined the, the Air Force, uh, 16th Air Force, back in July um, after the change of command with uh, Lieutenant General Hawk as he went up to become the deputy commander of a cyber command. Um, previous to that, I had been the uh, director of operations at J3 at U.S. Cyber Command, um, doing that mission with uh, General Nak- for General Nakasone for about uh, two years, almost exactly two years um, up there. Um, prior to that, I'd had a series of jobs in the Pentagon as a general officer um, in the Air Force cyber enterprise, um, whether it was on the CIO staff, on the A26 staff, um, or in the OSD staff, also working in the CIO there. for So working um, both... Uh, and IT policy kind of questions, as well as cyber operations questions and policy for structure alignment um, and, and working policy and the Hill on cyber, Air Force cyber. And that would be total force cyber. So questions that we would get about the uh, about the Air Force Reserves and the Air National Guard and the contributions to the cyber enterprise for the Air Force. So that's what I did. Prior to that, I was a bomber pilot and worked strategy jobs for 25 years. Um, and so that's what I did in the Air Force. Um, I flew the B-1 primarily out of uh, Ellsworth. Had the standard jobs there. Um, got a deployment over to LUD as the vice wing commander there. Have about 3,000 hours in the B-1. And one of the unique aspects of this job is it is a flying position, so I do get to fly. And so right now I also get to fly the EC-130. Not as often as I like, which is always the case, but I get to go out there about once a month, maybe every other month. to. to yeah, fly. that's awesome. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, what was that transition like going from B-1 bomber pilot to cyber Um was that by choice? Was that something you pursued because of uh, interest? Um, well, I didn't get that chance to pursue it. So when you uh, when you make general officer, you know it is general. So there's a generalist aspect, and they and and often at the one star rank, the Air Force looks to put you in a position that's maybe outside of your core specialty. Um, in that case, the vice chief at the time was is General Sevy Wilson. He put me in the position of the uh, of um, Warfighter integration in the CIO position, which had historically been an aviator um, that had been um, in either the mobility air forces or the combat air forces, and that and the idea okay. was things like AOCs, um, data links, those sorts of aspects, and also cyber operations fell under there because it was a dual-headed role with the A3. So I reported to General Raymond and, and Lieutenant General Bender um, at the same time in that position, and then. Usually, then you return to kind of your specialty. Well, I did not. I went to another cyber job and then another cyber job. And at that point, I'm, I'm pretty much the Air Force that decided to, to use me in the cyber enterprise across the department, which I'm happy to do it. Um, I have an undergrad in, um, in engineering. It's not cyber computers, um, but it does help um, a little bit. Um, but it does. I do uh, really, you know, my family asks me every day, you know, it's mentally challenging. Um, 
before this, even before I had the NAF, and the NAF when you add our inter- other enterprises to the 16th Air Force NAF, which includes the ISR community, the weather community, EW, um, to inc- and as well as Cyber and SIGINT, it's, uh, it's interesting every day. Yeah, I bet. No, that's awesome. And 16th Air Force is gigantic. So I, I find it fascinating that um, there's flying wings inside our business and how we're evolving from IW, IO, um, what the future looks like. I think, you know, the, the, the world's in front of us. Tons of opportunity here to, to connect with the warfighter. And I think uh, we, we can help in that aspect in, in some sense. So it's been about six months in the seat. So I'm interested in your, your, your thoughts, uh, you know, after the first six months, what kind of things, um, what kind of things did you see that surprised you maybe or um, what kind of messaging do you think we're at and, and any inflection points? Right. The... Uh... I don't know if I would call them surprises, but I was really impressed by the, the, the enterprise approach within the NAF for the enterprises that are pretty much self-contained within it. And so whether the weather wing and the, how that enterprise is, it's a global enterprise that has built synergies across uh, the various aspects. The ISR enterprise, the same. Um, and, you know, whether it's the 70th, the 363rd, or the 480th, how they work together um, to support every combatant command and all of our CFACs out there. I thought that's really interesting. And how we integrate total force aspects into that. I mean, it really is an enterprise approach that comes together in our NAF. And then we bring them all together in a, in a singular NAF to, to gain those effects, the IW information warfare type effects that we can that we can bring to bear. And I was really impressed by how far we've come in such a short time. You know, the uh, we just turned three years old as a 16th Air Force as an IW NAF. We had a history before, but as a pure information warfare NAF, and really building upon how we can gain those synergies without formal command authorities. But, you know, the old, the mentality we grow up with where you have to give me a global fighting unit and then we assign it to a commander and it's a, and that's solely how that operates. Well, with the idea of convergence that General Hawk brought into the, into the numbered air force and then how we can use the capabilities, that information and really provide more value to the CFACs, to the combatant commands um, that way without necessarily having force assignment, alignment, GFMs, and things like that. I mean, we can do more because we're in the same NAF and we're able to establish those types of communities of interest and alignment. Um, so that was really the most impressive. And as we looked across it, you know, if you think through the priorities, you know, it's kind of funny. You probably ran into this when you took over the wing. They hand you the guide on, you hand it back, they post it, and you're walking off the stage and they ask you, sir, what are your priorities? It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why, don't you, why, don't you, why don't you give me a sec? Give me a breath. Um, yeah. And so what I did is I talked with our, our wing commanders and our directors in the first, and we just had an SLS with your vice came and tenant with us um, and decided that, you know, the five priorities that, that I've set for the NAF. And the first one being um, to grow our readiness. Alliance with the chief and secretary, it's, it's across all of our aspects of the Air Force um, community to make sure that we are ready for what is always the question asked and ready really for the, what we see as the, as the pacing challenge, which is a, a, a PRC that's looking to shape you know, the world structure in a way that's, more av- that's advantageous to them and disadvantage us. Um, and also the acute threat right now that we see in Russia is the two primary things as we're them. So we need to find and grow our readiness. And for enterprises that are generally all in, how do we find that time in there to enable us to grow some skills that we might not use every day, but that we think we will be needed in a crisis or conflict, primarily in the Indo-PACOM AR. The next one, as we're thinking, how do we strengthen the resilience of our force? This is our human aspect of that, as we have all of the, you know, the, the pandemic left of, you know, continues to resonate across the nation and has left a definite uh, fingerprints on our force. But also, you know, how do we build our resilience of our systems? How do we build the resilience 
of our processes, our continuity of operations, as we think through a more contentious operating environment than we're used to in the previous two decades, how do we build in that resilience of our capabilities as well, not just our, our personal resilience. The third one is maturing information warfare. We were put together in the same numbered Air Force for a reason. And so how do we pull those and get and gain more value and how do we generate those outcomes um, for the CFACs that are aligned to the various combatant commands? And this is, again, it's, I don't think a force present, we, we started with kind of a thought on a force presentation model and that might be a thing eventually, but I don't think we're there yet. You know, we're not gonna present, if you're the CFAC over in CENTCOM, I'm not presenting you IW in a box. Right, so we got to think through how do we build a community of interest approach that we help as we have the core expertise for the Air Force in, in our NAF. How do we build that forward and then partner? And that's one of the things we'll be working on as one of our priorities. The next one is driving modernization. This isn't just airframes or weapon systems. This is also processes um, as we're thinking through and talent management. How do we modernize the aspects of, of, our, of our NAF and as we're thinking through that? And the bigger one is on the when we're talking about talent management is, and this is one of the aspects here that really applies to your wing is how do I, I think a balanced capability has aspects of the total force and various level and aspects of um, enlisted personnel, officers and civilians and figuring out what is the way in that three by three kind of matrix of how we have individuals ready um, to serve into in the way that they can serve and capture that expertise because we, we all love to serve the nation at some point. Things, you know, either we age out, which I will here eventually. Um, but, uh, you know, how do we break down barriers and have categories or means of service that enable people to stay as long as they are able to? Um, and then finally, it's all about increasing our combat effectiveness. That's why, we're, that's why we wear the uniform. It's about um, defending the nation and our interests and, and making sure that everything we're doing is really going toward that end. So those, that's, how, that's kind of my first six months Working really closely, I, I, you know, at my level, I think it's really important to create the environment, enable the wings um, to get the missions that they've been assigned and figure out how we can then provide them that visions and then let them get out of their way. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, I really resonate with those. Those are the same things, you know, we think about all the time. It's really nice. We try to stay aligned with you and with 10th Air Force and Air Force Reserve Command. All that's kind of nested, like... I feel like in my career, I've never felt like being in an organization that's been so aligned all the way up to the SECAF about where we're headed. And so it's really exciting there. Obviously, we're all about readiness. We're trying to provide that strategic depth and operational effectiveness for you. Um, we are also trying to mature. So the wing is, uh, we just had our fourth birthday, so we're a little bit older than you. Right. I, 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 say we're a, I say we're a toddler um, that thinks they're a teenager. And so we're trying to find our way as well and... Uh, your staff and the 16th Air Force team, you know, previous to you was super helpful in bringing us along. Um, sometimes um, willingly, sometimes dragging us, which is what we needed at the time. So um, we looked, to, you know, we look forward to continue that relationship as well. Um, from a readiness perspective, um, we really feel like um, I started focus on family readiness and resiliency and kind of bundle those together. Because as a reservist, um, you got to step away from civil employer maybe. Your family has to be um, supportive of that. Sometimes they don't understand about why do I lose you one weekend every month? We got stuff going on here. And so really excited to see that, you know, there, there's things there I think that we can help you with and that we want to be able to um, stay synced with you as well. Um, and from the readiness perspective, um, where do you see um, us fitting in and where do you need kind of more from us? I I know we have the conversation today is the first start with you and the staff, but I think we need to do a better job of 
um, making sure 16 Third Verse understands where we fit in and how he can access us. And we'll have a bigger discussion about how that access works and where we need some help there. So um, your thoughts on where kind of AFRC or maybe just the toll force in general, where we can help with those priorities, where we fit in. Yeah, that's good, Rick. I want to, before I address that directly, I'll, uh, you know, you're, you mentioned about family resilience this is something when Chief Bruce and I rotate through the, the, the command, that's one thing that he always highlights too, is it's really, you know, we talk about the airmen, whether that's civilian officer enlisted, um, their personal resilience, but a lot of it is the structure and support for the family that enables their service and is, makes them more resilient too. So I think that's a really good point. Um, as far as the, you know, the, your comment about strategic depth, that is a, that is a good one, but it's interesting to me. I'm not sure it's the it's not a break glass in using time of war because if you, in information warfare, it's very much, you know, we're the competition force, our numbered air force. That includes your wing as yes, well. Sir. And so we are going to be active in competition, which is the predominant time if you put everything out. You know, you have crises that come up and then occasionally you'll have conflict, uh, hopefully short duration and to, you know, comes to out to our ends. But we're going to spend a lot of time in competition, you know, the majority of it. And, and so how we posture ourselves to have that operations tempo that we can operate at a fairly high battle rhythm, but not burn ourselves out. And that's really where we look for this opportunity. When we're talking about readiness is how do we build the time to do those things that I don't do in competition? Um, it works really well. My, you know, I was a bomber pilot. That make, you know, that's an easy paradigm to work through. We go to flags, we do these sorts of things. And so we're looking through, okay, when we have IW ranges like Plotus Range out in New Mexico, how do we integrate forces in there? How do we, you know, we work with total force there that might have some capabilities that you bring that we may not be witting of. I think that's uh, the other aspect too. There's, you know, where there's aspects in the Air Force Reserve that we may not know about that could help us bring into that competition space um, that we would uh, be able to. And then when you think through, you know, think in an innovative manner, of lots of reserve units all about the Grove and the other enterprises like the Mobility Air Forces and things. Well, how can we integrate that availability and those access to understand what the background behavior and the environment is? So when we go into crisis and conflict, we have a better, we understand what's the baseline. Now we can understand what's different and then we can understand the adversary. It's all about understanding the adversary. And when you think about information warfare, it's a dominant activity, like I mentioned, in competition. When you're going in crisis, it's the critical activity. I've been in the rooms of decision-making. They want to know what's the adversary doing and why, and what can we do, and how. And, and if we don't have that baseline understanding, we're not going to be there. And then once we get into a conflict and, and you know, kinetic effects start occurring on a battlefield, um, we become a critical enabler at that point. We're not necessarily the dominant activity. We're not necessarily the most, the most uh, critical activity, but the, we are the enabler to make those more effective and to help us hopefully uh, manage the escalation of the uh, activity to a place to our advantage and move back toward a crisis slash you know, status quo competition phase. Yeah, I think that's important. And, and I probably haven't done a good enough job with my leadership inside of AFRC of talking about that from that sense about where we fit in, um, that you need access to these capabilities all the time. Like we're like, like you said, we're very mobility centric in AFRC. So they understand like, we're going to train a pilot, a crew to be ready to go. when I need you. And whether that's a rotation for six months from now, but you need us when you need us, like you need us, something happens, an incident, you need us now. And so we're really trying to work through like, um, how that makes sense from a reserve or part-time force perspective and how you get us when you need us. We believe our strategic advantages are traditional reservists bringing that civilian expertise from whatever company or field they're in, bringing that to the fight as well. It's something that um, you don't know you have, right? It's a capability that 
we say we use, but we probably don't use it as effectively as we, you know as we can. And uh, I remember you and I had a conversation. I don't know if you remember, but you were the CFM at the time. You called me when I was at the AFRC as the CFM oh, and said, right. "Hey." Um, I need a reservist in a country in Europe on Monday that has experience with semantic. Go find somebody. I'm like, okay. And I went, bro network, you know, we got to do better to the, when that need comes up that we have somebody on the shelf to go, okay, we know how to get hold of this person. They're available. They're on mission. Here you go. And so that's kind of how I feel like we can fit and help fill those gaps and seams for you and be an effective warfighter. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a good way to think about it, Rick. Um, and so as you think about the next, so you kind of, so I saw your kind of, here's my assessment after 90 days. That was super helpful. Um, as you think about the next year, two years, that two are like, where do you, where do you see the team going? Um, and are there any big rocks um, on the horizon? Yeah, the biggest thing, you know, in the next, you know, two years out as, as uh, the NAF and the other CFACs, you know, the CFACs and the other folks supporting the combatant commands really understanding what we 16th Air Force can bring to them and how we, if we built that community interest in IW and we're really working toward um, generating competition effects that enable them to be better postured for crisis and conflict, um, but also gain strategic advantage and decision advantage for their missions and support of the command commands and how do we do that. That's really what, you know, having that understanding that um, General Grinkowicz, who's out at, you know, the CFAC out in the CENTCOM right now would come up and say, I got this thing. I know exactly who to call. They reach out to the 616th OC. We get the experts together and we can help them through it. That would be when. And it goes for every CFAC, you know, as it goes across, whether it's um, supporting Southcom or supporting Northcom or any of the other ones. That's so that's really, that would be in the IW case on that. The other one is the readiness. You know, we still have readiness challenges across our enterprises. The cyber one's particularly acute, you know, and, and hopefully have achieved our readiness levels that we're looking for on that as we as we still, you know, it's largely a talent management, but it's also really a training um, uh, issue as we go forward. There's a retention aspect. There's a training aspect of that readiness challenge that we continue to need to focus on. And, and we'll be thinking through a few things there. So from your experience at CyberCom, I'm interested um, a little bit off script here. So, But I'm just interested in your experience, your previous job. Where does the Air Force kind of fit in on the, in the training piece and the readiness piece with the other services? How are we doing? Are we doing... Better than the other ones? Um, are we average? Are we way behind? Yeah, the I mean, there's airmen all over the enterprise and doing really well. As far as in the training pipeline, I'd say we're you know we're doing well in most cases. You know, the services have their unique aspects and enable them to do things sometimes better than others. You know, the Navy can I mean the Army can mass on something, sure, and they can get numbers as we're going forward. You know, we're good at training pipelines and getting folks through, but, you know, in a more deliberate manner. I think we've shown that in the enterprise as we go on that. Um, so I think relative to the other, we're in a good place. Okay. Um, you know, I don't want to compare one versus sure. the other because there's always, you know, unique aspects to it. You know, the Marine Corps is a smaller shot group, you know, the, the ability to focus on that. Um, where we're going on the services is I know that Cyber Command is looking for us to have across the, the, the four services of some sort of baseline coming out of initial qualification training that's more um, we're pushing as much left so that the airman that comes out of the basic you know AFSC granting school has a higher you know has a standard level of employment I'd love to be able to take them and they are now basic level yeah right over their work role that's the challenges we have Air Force we have macro level processes to drive manning and 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 do those things but we in cyber have a micro level work role 
need mm-hmm. to, to man our teams and, and to organize that way. So we're getting better on that. And I think our aspects of JCC Joint Cyber Command and Control and as the you know as part of the Joint Cyber Warfighting Architecture comes in and our ability to really understand what Colonel Arridge is qualified in, which, to your point on, got expertise in Symantec, knows Ben, has been on X amount of missions in country X, and then that's the person that we can get because it is it is more you it is person specific in cyber more than be one pilot sure you know as we're going for yeah that's exciting and i think we we have those same struggles on the, obviously in the micro level and um when when the denominator gets really small it gets really hard for us to build deliver that capability you need um at scale right you know that makes sense and so we are we are tied in with your folks and we're on the 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 readiness panels the readiness training review stuff and so we are we're actually doing our own cyber training pipeline um, we'll tell you a little bit about later, but we're trying to do a CPI, the black belt level event about how to make our training pipeline more efficient from getting somebody off the street and then getting them through IQT. Like there's so many administrative processes that reservists have to do that your regular Air Force folks don't have to do that. I think we're, we're not helping ourselves out. So we're trying to smooth that out and then plug into the Air Force or the Cybercom training pipeline in a way that's efficient as possible. So we spit them out and put them, put them on mission. So, so we see that. Um, well, any closing thoughts here as we wrap up? Um, any messages to our gladiators? Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, thank you for having me here today. I, I do enjoy coming out and me just meeting folks in the enterprise and, and talking about, you know, missions that we're all passionate about. Um, I do want to close. And when I think of the Air Force Reserve and your aspects to it, it to be a healthy enterprise, like I said earlier, is we need to have a strong relationship and, and places that airmen can serve in things that might be unique to their personal situation. And that's why if our partnership continues on and we can and make sure we capture the talent because it is a very, you know, all war is a human activity, but in our IW skills, whether it's um, someone focused on the IO, EW, ISR, or cyber, um, we put a lot of resource and training the individual. And as much as we can give them the ability to serve and the longevity of a career, um, whether it's active, guard, reserve, doesn't matter to me as long as they can you know we want to continue to have them as part of the environment because it makes us stronger and it makes our nation stronger when we have folks that serve in civilian sector that bring some of their knowledge and expertise to that side as well Um, because that is one of the areas not directly a DOD mission but the cyber vulnerabilities specifically into our infrastructure in the nation and in our various critical sectors you know CISA can only do so much it's a it's going to have to be an industry sector specific solution as we go in there and as many airmen we can put in that I think would be productive yes sir excellent thanks again for your time we'll look forward to the continued partnership all right thanks Rick look forward to it